Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of Freedom's Planes, where today we're going to be talking about the Bell P-39 Aracobra. Sorry I have not recorded in a while, I have been very busy. The Bell P-39 Aracobra was, was one of the principal American air f fighter aircraft in the service w when the United States entered World War II. The P-39 was used by the Soviet Air Force and enabled individual Soviet pilots to collect the highest number of kills attributed to any U.S. fighter type flown in any Air Force in any conflict. Other major users of the type include, include the Free French, the Royal Air Force, the United States Army Air Forces, the Italian Co-Belligerent, and the, the Italian Co-Belligerent Air Force. Designed by Bell Aircraft, it had an unusual layout, with the engine installed in the center fuselage behind the pilot and, driving, and a driving a tractor propeller with the long shaft. It was also the first fighter fitted with a tricycle undercarriage. The, although its mid-engine placement was innovative, the P-39 design was handicapped by the absence of an, effect, an efficient turbo, turbo supercharger, preventing it from performing high-altitude work. For this reason, it was rejected by the RAF for use over Western Europe, but adopted by the USSR, where most air, air combat took place at medium and lower altitudes. Together with the derivative P-63 King Cobra, the P-39 was one of the most successful fixed-wing aircraft manufacturers. In February 1937, Lieutenant Benjamin S. Kelsey, pr Project Officer for Fighters at the United States Army Air Corps, or the USAAC as I will refer to it from now on, and Captain Gordon P. Saville, Fighter Tactics Instructor at the Air Corps Tactical School, in issued a speci specification for a new fighter via circular proposal X X609. It was a request for a single-engine high-altitude intercept, quote-unquote, interceptor, having the tactical mission of interception and attack of hostile aircraft at high altitude. Despite being called an interceptor, the proposed aircraft's role was simply an extension of the traditional pursuit fighter role using a heavier and more powerful aircraft at a higher altitude. Spe specifications called for at least a thousand pounds of heavy armament, including a cannon, a liquid-cooled liquid Ellison engine with a general electric su turbo supercharger, tricycle landing gear, a level airspeed of at least 360 miles an hour at altitude, and climb to 20,000 feet within six minutes. This was the most demanding set of fighter specifications the USAAC had ever had presented to that date. Although Bell's limited fighter design work had previously resulted in the unusual Bell YFM-1 Aracuda, the model, elect the model 12 proposal adopted a an equally original configuration with an Allison V-12 engine mounted in the middle of the fuselage, just behind the cockpit and a propeller driven by a shaft passing beneath the pilot's feet under the cockpit floor. The main purpose of this configuration was to free up space for the heavy main armament, a 37mm or 1.46-inch Oldsmobile T9 cannon, firing through the center of the propeller hub for optimum, for optimum accuracy and stability. This happened because H.M. Poyer, designed for project leader Robert Woods, was impressed by the... By the power of this weapon and pressed it 
for, and pressed for its incorporation. This was unusual because fighter design had previously been driven by the intended engine, not by the weapon system. Although, deve although devastating when it worked, the T-9 had very limited ammunition, a low rate of fire, and was prone to jamming. A secondary benefit of the mid-engine armament er, arrangement was that it created a smooth, st streamlined nose profile. W much of much was made of the fact that this resulted in a configuration with as trim and clean a fuselage nose as the snout of a very of a high-velocity bullet. Entry to the cockpit was through the side doors mounted on both sides of the cockpit, rather than a sliding canopy. Its unusual engine location in the long drive shaft caused some concern to pilots at first, but experience showed this was no more of a hazard than a crash in a crash landing than with an engine located forward to the forward of the cockpit. There were no problems with the propeller shaft failure. The XP-39 made its maiden flight on April 6, 1938 at Wright Field, Ohio, achieving 390 miles an hour at 20,000 feet, reaching its altitude in only 5 minutes. However, the XP-39 was found to be short on performance at altitude. Flight testing had found its top speed at 20,000 er, found its top speed at 20,000 feet to be lower than 400 miles an hour. Claimed it claimed in the original proposal. As originally speci specified by Kelsey and Seville, the XP-39 had a turbo supercharger to augment its high altitude performance. Bell cooled the turbo with a scoop on the left side of the fuselage. F Kelsey wished to, the sh to shepherd the XP-39 through its early engineering teething troubles, but he was ordered to England. The XP-39 project was handed over to others, and in June 1939, the prototype was ordered by General Henry H. Arnold to be evaluated in NACA wind tunnels to find ways of increasing its speed by reducing parasitic drag. Tests were carried out, and Bell engineers followed the recommendations of NACA and the Army to reduce drag su that such, such that the top speed was increased 16%. NACA wrote, It's imperative to enclose the supercharger within the airplane and an efficient with an efficient duct system for cooling the rotor and discharging the cooling and air exhaust gases. In the very tightly planned XP-39, in the very tightly planned XP-39, though, there was no internal space left over for the turbo. Using a drag build-up scheme, a number of potential areas of drag reduction were found. NACA concluded that a top speed of 429 miles an hour could be realized with the aerodynamic improvements they had they had development and an upgraded V1710 with only a single stage, single speed supercharger. At a pivotal meeting with the, U with the USAIC and NACA in August 1939, Larry Bell proposed that the production of the P-39 aircraft be configured without the turbocharger. Some historians have questioned Bell's true motivation to re in, reconfiguring, in reconfiguring the aircraft. The strongest hypothesis is that Bell's factory did not have an active reproduction, an active production program, and he was desperate for the cash flow. Other historians mentioned that wind tunnel tests made the designs believe made the designers believe the super the turbocharger installation was so aerodynamically cluttered that it had more disadvantages than advantages. 
The Army ordered 12 YP-39s with only single stage, single speed, with only a single stage, single speed supercharger for service evaluation, and one YP-39A. After these trials were complete, which resulted in detail changes, including deletion of the external radiator, and and on advice from NACA, the prototype was modified as the XP-39B after demonstrating a performance improvement. The 13 YP-39s were completed to the standard, adding two 0.30-inch or 7.62-millimeter machine guns to the existing 50-inch or 0.50-inch 12.7-millimeter machine guns. Lacking armor, on self, lacking armor or self-sailing fuel tanks, the prototype, 2000, the prototype was 2,000 pounds lighter than the production fighters. The production P-39 remained, retained a single-stage, single-speed supercharger with a critical altitude above which performance declined of about 12,000 feet, of about 12,000 feet. As a result, the aircraft was simpler to produce and maintain. However, the deletion of the turbo destroyed any chance that the P-39 could serve as a medium-high-altitude frontline fighter. When deficiencies were noticed in 1940 and 1941, the lack of turbo made it nearly impossible to improve on the Aerocobra's performance. The removal of the turbocharger and its drag-inducing inlet cured the drag problem, but reduced performance overall. In later years, Kelsey expressed regret at not being present to override the decision to eliminate the turbo. After completing service trials and originally designated P-45, a first order for 80 aircraft was placed on August 10, 1939. Uh, crap. Okay. De- the designation reverted to P-39C before deliveries began. After assessing aerial combat conditions in Europe, it was evident that without armor or self-sealing tanks, the 20 production P-39Cs were not suitable for operational use. The remaining 60 machines in the order were built as P-39Ds with armor, self-sealing tanks, and enhanced armament. These P-39Ds were the first Air Cobras to enter service with the U.S. Arm- the, with the Army Air Corps units and would be the first to would be the first ones to see action. The P thirty nine was an all metal low wing single engine fighter with a tricycle undercarriage and an Allison V seventeen ten liquid cooled V twelve engine mounted in the central fuselage, directly behind the cockpit. The Aerocobra was one of the first production fighters to be conceived as a weapons system. In this case of the aircraft, known originally as the Bell Model 4, was designated to perform or to provide a pl- platform for the 37mm T9 cannon. This weapon, which was designated in 1934 by the American Armament Corporation, a division of Oldsmobile, Oldsmobile fired a 1.3 pound projectile capable of piercing 8 inch armor at 500 yards with armor-piercing rounds. The 90-inch long, 200-pound weapon had to be rigidly mounted and fire parallel to parallel to and close to the center line of the new fighter. It would have been impossible to mount the weapon in the fuselage, firing through the cylinder banks of the V-configured engine and the propeller hub 
as could be done with smaller 12mm cannons. Weight, balance, and visibility considerations meant that the cockpit would not be placed farther back in the fuselage, behind the engine and cannon. The solution adopted was to mount the cannon in the forward fuselage and the engine in the center fuselage, directly behind the pilot seat. The tractor propeller was driven with a 10-foot long or 3-millimeter or 3-meter drive shaft made in two sections, incorporating a self-aligning bearing to accommodate fuselage deflection during violent maneuvers. This shaft ran through a tunnel in the cockpit floor and was connected to a gearbox in the nose of the fuselage, which in, in turn drove the three or later four bladed propeller by way of a short central shaft. Hold on. The gearbox was provided with its own lubrication system, separate from the engine. In later versions, the Aracobra gearbox was provided with some armor protection. The exhaust, the exhausted through. Yeah, that's what I thought. The glycol-cooled radiator was fitted in the wing center selection center section, immediately. Er, yes, immediately beneath the engine. This was flanked on. On either side by a drum-shaped oil cooler, for air for the radiator and oil coolers was drawn in through intakes of both wing root leading edges and was directed via four ducts to the radiator faces. The air was then, ex was then exhausted through three controllable hinge flaps near the trailing edge of the center section. Air for the carburetor was drawn in through a raised oval intake immediately after of the rear canopy. The fuselage structure was unusual and innovative, being based on a strong central keel that incorporated the armament, cockpit, and engine. Two strong fuselage beams to port and, and starboard formed the basis of the structure. These angled upwards fore and aft to create mounting points for the T9 cannon and propeller reduction gearbox and for the engine and accessories respectively. A strong arch bulkhead provided the main structural attachment for the main spar of the wing. This arch incorporated a fireproof panel and an armor plate between the engine and the cockpit. It also incorporated a turnover pylon and a plane of a pane of bullet resistant glass behind the pilot's head. The arch also formed the basis of the cockpit housing. The pilot's seat was attached to forward to the forward face, as was the cockpit floor. Forward of the cockpit, the fuselage nose was formed from large large removable covers. A long nose and a long nose wheel well was incorporated in the lower nose section. The engine and accessories were attached to the rear of the arch and main structural beams. These were two covered these two were covered using large removable panels. A conventional semi-monocoque -mono rear fuselage was attached aft of the main structure. Because the pilot was above the ex extension shaft, he was placed higher in the fuselage than most contemporary fighters, which in turn gave the pilot a good field of view. Access to the cockpit was by way of op sideways opening quote-unquote car doors on either side. Both had wind down, wind down windows, as only the 
as only the right-hand door had a handle both inside and outside. This was used as normal means of access and egress. And egress. The left-hand door could be opened from only the outside and was for emergency use. Although both doors could be jettisoned, although both both doors can be jettisoned, which means like pretty much just launched out just in case. In operational use, as the roof was fixed, cockpit design made escape difficult in an emergency. Let me just define something. Aft means at near or toward the stern of the ship or tail of an aircraft. So it's just basically t- towards the back. The complete armament fit, fit consisted of the T-9 cannon with a pair of Browning M2, M250 caliber or 12.7 millimeter machine guns mounted on the nose. This changed to two 50-inch or 12.7 millimeter and two 0.30-inch 7.62 millimeter guns in the XP-39B. P-39C Model 13 was the first was the first 20 delivered, and two 0.50-inch or 12.7 millimeter machine guns, or 12.7 millimeter and four 0.30-inch 7.62 millimeter, all four in the wings. In P-39D Model 15, which was which also introduced self-sealing tanks and shackles and piping, for a 500-pound, 230-kilogram um, bomb or drop tank, because of the unconventional layout, there was no space in the fuselage to place a fuel tank, although drop tanks were implemented to extend its range. The standard fuel load was carried in the wings. With result, that's pretty limited to short-range tactical strikes. A heavy structure and around 256 pounds or, 11, or 116 kilograms of armor were characteristic of this aircraft as well. The production of, P30, of P-39's heavier weight combined with the Ellison engine with only, or combined... Yes, combined with the Allison engine with only a single-state, single-speed supercharger, limited the high-altitude capabilities of the fighter. The P-39's altitude performance was markedly inferior to the tropical hot, or to the contemporary European fighters, and as a result, the U- the first USAAF fighter units in the European theater were equipped with Spitfire Five. With the Spitfire 5. However, the P-39D's roll rate was 75, 75 degrees at 235 miles an hour. Better than the A6M2, F4F, F6F, or P-38. Up to 265 miles an hour. Above the supercharger's critical altitude of about 12,000 feet, an early P-39's performance dropped off rapidly. Rapidly, This limited its usefulness to in traditional fighter missions in Europe as well as the Pacific, where it, it was not uncommon for Japanese bombers to attack at altitudes above the P-39's operational ceiling, which in the tropical hot air was lower than moderate climates.
the P the laid production N and Q models, seventy five percent of all air cobras could remain at a top speed or could maintain a top speed of approximately three hundred seventy five miles an hour, up to two thousand up to twenty thousand feet. The weight distribution of the P thirty nine was supposedly the reason for its tendency to enter a dangerous flat spin. A characteristic Soviet test pilot. Hold on. A characteristic Soviet test pilots were able to demonstrate to the skeptical manufacturer who had been unable to pr produce the effect after extensive tests. It was determined the spin could only be induced if the aircraft was prop was improperly loaded with no ammunition in the front of the compartment. The flight manual noted that a need a need to ballast the front ammunition compartment with appropriate weight of shell casings to achieve a reasonable center of gravity center of gravity high speed controls were light consequently high speed turns and pullouts were possible the p39 had improper or had had to be held in a dive since it tended to level out reminiscent of the spitfire the recommended never exceed dive speed limit VNE was 475 miles an hour for the P-39. Soon after entering service, pilots began to report that during flights of the P-39 in certain maneuvers, it tumbled end over end. Most most of these events happened after the aircraft was stalled in a no, in a nose high altitude, with considerable power with considerable power applied. Concerned, Bell initiated a test program. Bell pilots made 86 separate efforts to reproduce the study or to reproduce the reported tumbling characteristics. In no case were they able to tumble the aircraft. In his autobiography, veteran test and airshow pilot RA Bob Hoover provides an account of a tumbling of tumbling a P39. He goes on to say that in hindsight he was actually performing a Lomkovac, a now common airshow maneuver, which he ha which he was also able to do in a Curtis P forty. I'm pretty sure I've talked about one of those. An informational study of the P thirty nine's spinning characteristics was conducted by the NASA Langley Research Center. Twenty foot free spin twenty foot free spinning tunnel during the nineteen seventies. A study of old reports showed that during earlier spin testing in the facility. The aircraft had never tumbled. However, it was noted that all testing had been done with a simulated full ammunition load, which drew the aircraft's center of gravity forward. After finding the original spin test model of the P-39 in storage, the new study first replicated the, the earlier testing with consistent results. Then the model was re-ballasted to simulate a condition no, of no am ammunition load which moved the aircraft's center of gravity aft, or towards the back. Under these conditions, the model was found to often tumble when thrown into the tunnel. The rear-mounted engine was less likely to be hit when attacking ground targets, but was vulnerable to attacks from above and behind at its upper altitude limits. The Air Cobra was outperformed by many enemy aircraft. The Air Cobra saw combat throughout the world, particularly in the Southwest Pacific, Mediterranean, and Soviet theaters. Because its engine was equipped with, a, with a, only a single-stage, single-speed supercharger, the P-39 performed poorly above 17,000 feet. 
in altitude. In both Western Europe and the Pacific, the Aracobra found itself outclassed as an interceptor and the type was gradually re relegated to other duties. It was often used at lower altitudes for such missions as ground strafing. The Aracobra was raced at the National Air Races in the United States after World War II. Famous versions used for racing included the twin aircraft known as the Cobra I and Cobra II, joint, owned jointly between three Bell aircraft test pilots, Chalmers Stick Goodlin, Alvin M. Tex Johnston, and Jack Willems, and Jack Willems. These aircraft were extensively modified to to use the more powerful XP or P thirty six P sixty three engine. I did that accent on accent, sorry. Powerful P sixty three engine. It had prototype propeller blades from the Bell factory. Cobra one with its pilot Jack Willems was lost in nineteen forty six during a test flight over Lake Ontario late in the afternoon possibly at speeds up to 400 miles an hour. The aircraft suddenly and, inexplic and inexplicably crashed into the water upon breaking apart upon impact. The Cobra II race number 84, flown by test pilot Tex Johnston, beat racing modified, beat racing modified P-51s as well as other P-39 racers, which were the favorites. To win the 1946 Thompson Trophy race, Cobra II competed again in the 1947 Thompson Trophy, finishing third. The 1948 Thompson Trophy, she was un she was unable to finish due to engine difficulties. Cobra II did not race again and was destroyed on August 10, 1968 during a test flight prior to an attempt at the World Piston Air Speed rec record when owner Mike, when owner pilot Mike Carroll lost control and crashed. Carroll died in the highly modified P-39, and the highly modified P-39 was destroyed. Miroslavak's P-39Q Mr. Menon, race number 21, former USAAC, serial number 443908, civil registry NX40A, was a very fast unlimited racer, a late arrival in 1972. Get the 2,000 horsepower racer out of the Reno races, and she was never entered again. Her color scheme was all right with with all was all white with men in green and bronze trim. He is now owner and he is now owned and displayed the by the Kalamo, Kal Kalamazoo Air Zoo. In the color scheme of the P400 Whistling Britches. A very small number of late production P-39Qs survived long enough in the USAAF inventory to be acquired with, by the U United States Army Air Force upon its separation from the Army. These aircraft served in training and testing roles for approximately a year. They were redesignated as ZF-39Qs, ZF for obsolete fighter, in June 1948 as a part of the new aircraft de designation scheme throughout the USAF. In 1945, Italy purchased the 46 surviving P-39s at 1% of their cost, but in summer 1946, many accidents occurred, including fatal ones. By 1947, Stormo re-equipped 
with P P38s. With P39s, sent to training units until the type's retirement in 1951. Only a T9 cannon survives today at Vigna di Valle Museum. And these are our top orders, and I'm going to say them as quick as I can. Australia, the Royal Australian Air Force, France, Army de la Air, it Italy, Cobal Ital Italian Cobalizmer Air Force, operated 170 Bell P-39 Air Cobra, Italy, Italian Air Force, operated 102 surviving Be Bell P-39 Air Cobra, retired in 1950s, Poland, Polish Air Force, one aircraft, operated, personal aircraft of General Fyodor, Fyodor Polonian, commander of the Polish Air Force, Portugal, Esquadrilla Air Cobra, or the Air Cobra Squadron, later renamed Esquadrilla 4, Squadron Number 4. Aeronautica Militar, or Army Military Aviation, Soviet Union, Soviet Air Forces, Vieno Vozdoshny Sili, or VVS, and the Soviet Naval Aviation. United Kingdom, Royal Air Force, and the Royal Navy, Air Cobra Mark 1, which was a test flight. United States, United States Army Air Corps, or the United States Army Air Forces. Here are the specifications of the P-39Q. There was one crew member, it was it had a length of 30 feet 2 inches, a wingspan of 30 feet, 34 feet, and yeah, 34 feet. Height was 12 feet and 5 inches. Wing area was 213 square feet. Empty weight was 6,516 6, pounds. Gross weight was 7,570 pounds. Max takeoff weight was 8,400 pounds. P power plant was an Elson, or the max takeoff weight was 8,400 8, pounds. Power plant was a Elson V171085 V12 liquid cooled piston engine, which was 1,200 horsepower at 9,000 feet using emergency power, or WEP, or emergency power. Propellers were three bladed constant speed propeller. Performance. Maximum performance was maximum speed of 389 miles an hour, a sp stall speed of 950 95 miles per hour. Jesus Christ, how do I come up with these numbers? With its power off, flaps and undercarriage down, it never exceeds speed 525 miles an hour, range is 525 miles on internal fuel, service ceiling was. 3,500 pounds, or 3,500 3, feet, 35,000 feet, sorry. Rate of climb was 38.5 feet. That makes no sense. 3,505 feet. Rate of climb was 30, 30 I just said that, time to altitude, 1,500 feet. Wing loading, 34.6 pounds square feet, per square feet.